You're listening to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. Youth ministry isn't easy, and you don't have much time. That's why this is a car ride's worth of content to help you reimagine, revive, and rebuild youth ministry. Welcome to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast from Church of the Nativity in Timonium, Maryland. I'm Allie, your host, joined today by Daniel Miller. Today we will be jumping into week two of our series, What Comes Next? Student Ministry Post-COVID, where we will deep dive into the positives and negatives of hybrid ministry. But first, (laughs) Allie, you always get to ask me. Today I'm going to ask you, what are you loving? What am I loving? Um, I am loving, well, I mentioned a couple episodes, Amazon, which I do love, but I found something through Amazon, could send it to my sister who lives in a different state. So this is the connection between my love of Amazon and what I sent my sister, which I am loving, which is called the mother's manual. My sister is expecting her first child my first niece or nephew and um, I saw this mother's manual from another friend of mine who posted it on social media and it has this table of contents in the front and it's prayers for every part and um, what's the word I'm looking for season of being a mother whether you're trying to Hmm. conceive or you are pregnant you're near you're nearing your end date or labor and continuing on um, throughout their young years. And I just thought it was so cool and so helpful. Um, My sister works in a hospital with newborn babies. So she's kind of has that seen the good and the bad and everything that could possibly go wrong, which can be scary um, being pregnant yourself and having had such close uh, relationship with that kind of stuff. So I was like, I'm going to send this to her. That's exactly what she needs in any any moment that she will face so that's what i'm loving right now for her and i can't wait when i visit her it's a book it's like yeah yeah i don't Hmm. i want to call it like a devotional but it's not a prayer a day you look up what prayer you need right now Hmm. and you go flip to the page i like that yeah it's awesome shout out to all the moms out there Mm -hmm. or moms that you minister to yes might be a great gift well i'm also loving a book it's like we planned that or something except we actually didn't didn't plan it this time I am loving the book Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, I've never read it, but it's like, it's a classic, right? I, I think it's fairly new, but it's, it has been on bestseller lists and things. It's about, um, takes place in North Carolina, mm-hmm. like out on the Outer Banks. And there's this uh, girl whose family all abandons her and she grows up all alone and has to raise herself from a very, very young age, like single digits, Wow! living out on the Outer Banks. And then it's kind of her interaction with the town and the few people in her life. Very cool. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I had no idea what it was very about. Good. Are we going to start a book club? Will you let me borrow it when you're done? Yeah, I think um, the actress Reese Witherspoon. Yes. Um, oh, it was it's in part her of book her. club. Yes, yeah. I love There was a sticker on there. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are in the second episode of our series, um, What's Next? What Comes Next? Post-COVID Youth Ministry. So last week, we kind of just gave the general intro to 
what we've learned sorting through Zoom and our balance of in-person experience. And we basically decided that incarnational ministry and digital discipleship are both going to be in our future in our post-COVID ministry. But today, we're just going to dive deeper and more specifically onto the question of if we should keep hybrid ministry, which is offering simultaneous Zoom and on-campus options. So we're just going to break down what we've discovered as both the positives and the negatives and what we've kind of landed on for us when it comes to hybrid ministry. Most churches, I think, are doing this in different ways. Mm -hmm. Nobody's the same. So we wanted to first just give you a little background on exactly what our small groups are doing this year. So we are offering an on-campus option for small groups to meet. At th- they have a choice of three different times to meet for one hour together here mm-hmm. on our campus. And we provide a video message and small group guide for them to meet and then the space. But we're not facilitating a large group program. Mm-hmm. About two-thirds of them are still doing that. And we have all the proper precautions. We give them all of the materials and everything. But some group members or some groups have members that are Zooming and also in person. And that's really the hardest degree of difficulty when Mm -hmm. you have kind of half and half and you're trying to facilitate that group. We have one group that meets in person with their people who are all on campus at one time. And then an hour or two later, they meet with all of their Zoom people virtually. That's a big so commitment. Yeah, running two groups, basically. Yes. A little lower degree of difficulty, but high degree of commitment. Yes. Some groups are Zoom only, and they have been from the beginning. We have two or three of those. Mm-hmm. Some groups make their decision kind of week by week, and we leave that up to the leaders and their participants to decide. So they might go Zoom for a few weeks at a time. And more of our members have done that as it's gotten into winter Mm -hmm. and COVID numbers have gone up. And holidays and things. Holidays, yeah. Uh, Or if there's one group where the leader travels a lot and so Mm -hmm. they kind of go back and forth. And one leader has decided he's going to just Zoom individually with some members because it was just really hard for him to connect with everybody who was here in person and Zooming. So our leaders have kind of done different things. And then some students have just opted out from the beginning of the year. They just didn't want to do one more thing over Zoom or it just wasn't a year that they were going to participate. So that's kind of where we are with our small groups. Mm -hmm. So first, the advantages to hybrid, which if you are doing hybrid, you're probably rolling your eyes because you have experienced the difficulty. But there are some advantages, believe it or not. So stick with us. The um, first positive is that you can connect despite time challenges for teens. You know, we have changed the time and the days of our weeks of our ministry before because teens have so much going on between school and extracurriculars. And that definitely slowed down at the beginning of COVID, that time restraint. But now it's kind of amping back up. But because you can connect via Zoom, it's still really easy for them to connect, even if that means connecting through their phone when they're in the car on their way home from practice, which is so much easier than trying to race over here to get here in person. Um, Another advantage is that you can meet them where they are. This kind of goes along with that, but it's just that much easier for them to take a step into small group. Things are just easier to access digitally for teens. It also allows for strict quarantiners to participate. Um, We've talked about this too, as you're running kids or student ministry, it's really the parent who makes the decision. So there are some teens that probably would like to be here in person, 
but they can't because their parents um, don't want to, whether that be because of their work, because of just their fears, because they interact with elderly um, family members often, whatever their reasoning may be. The student can't be here in person, and having hybrid allows them to still be part of their small group, even though they can't be with them in person. It also allows us to continue connecting despite an immense amount of challenges during the pandemic. We're still able to get some level of human connection, even if it is virtually. It's also, for us, easier to plan without having to take into account all the precautions and the temperature checks and watching out for food and things like that. Um, And it expands our reach. One huge win we've had throughout this COVID time is that we have gone way beyond our walls and actually overseas because we have had participants now coming in, zooming in to student small groups from Pennsylvania and California and even Austria. So that is pretty awesome and just a huge win from this COVID time that we never even thought of before. And then, of course, finally, the one basic advantage is that it protects us all from spreading illness to one another if they are not in person. So we don't totally want to get rid of all the virtual tools that we've had, right? There are advantages. Yeah. Yeah. But there are disadvantages as well. It's harder to form relationships, especially Mm -hmm. if a small group is new. We were so thankful that we had at least the first couple of months this year before a lot of groups decided to go Mm -hmm. over Zoom because they had that chance to form those Mm -hmm. friendships and to have fun and to be together in the same room. Another disadvantage is that it's easier to be distracted. You can turn your screen mm-hmm, off. Mm-hmm. You can. I, I was in a group this year where they did it over um, Facebook or maybe it was FaceTime. I think it was FaceTime. Oh, yeah, yeah. But FaceTime. you can have multiple people. So it was this mm-hmm. small group that was meeting over FaceTime and everybody's pictures are on there except when they click on a different app on their phone. Yep, it pauses the <laughs> it screen. Pauses it pauses mm-hmm. it. Most of them were paused the whole time. So they're checking out sports scores or playing games or whatever. through social media. (laughs) Right? So it's easier to be distracted. Yes. There is a lower level of commitment we've discovered to being on Zoom. Some people are very committed to it. We're not saying that there aren't people with high levels of commitment. But you don't have to leave your house. Mm -hmm. You can do it when you hop in the car after after practice. You know, there's just a lower level of commitment and time that's demanded of you. And even if you're committed and you are tuning in in the car, I think not being in person, it's a lower level of investment and engagement in the relationship, in the relationship, in the discussion, everything that can be one of the challenges too. It's also more difficult to plan a program with virtual and in-person activities and options. Mm, You just have to think through. I remember at the beginning of the year when we were trying to, for the first time, bring students back onto campus I wanted to just go and bang my head against the wall in the meetings because we had to talk through so many details, how we were going to get students in and out of the parking lot without encountering each other and and not congregating anywhere, how we were going to clean the rooms, how many people we needed to be able to do that, um, how how to, you know, get the chairs set and what our ops teams need to be. It was crazy. It's crazy. And even when you get through all those basic details, then you think of how you're trying to facilitate small groups in activities 
activities that you can do over Zoom, like games and fun openers and things like that. It used to be so like much that. easier, right? I mean, games have never been my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> but when you can't even, we think of things and we're like, well, they can't pass a ball to each other or they can't, you know, they have to. It it's can't pass craziness. anything around. It's not supposed to, it, you have to be adaptable for Zoom and in-person yeah. activities. Zoom activities are hard. Yeah. Um, another disadvantage is that you lack a sense of the larger community when you're just mm -hmm. doing a hybrid or you're just in your small group. You don't really see how many people are actually coming for um, student ministry. Or if you're doing something for big church, you don't see the larger community and get a sense of that. And it's really not incarnational. It's, it's like a proxy of this deeper reality. We're, as human beings, we're a body soul. We need our bodies to be gathered in some way. That's the power of what we do when we come to gather and worship in mass. We receive something that is tangible and mm -hmm. physical mm -hmm. that feeds our body and our soul. And then the last disadvantage is that you lose an interpersonal touch. We've talked a lot lately about we just miss those chance interactions that you have and just kind of mm -hmm. joking around with each other. You miss facial expressions Ugh. somehow. I, there is something different about being on zoom. I, I don't have any science to back that up, but you, you just can't read people it's, the same way. Yes. Even when you're looking at their face right straight Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I don't know why that is. Cause you don't get true. the whole body language. Yeah. Something. Everything. Yeah. Um, but certainly you miss body language and just being able to read people. And I just think it, it's something with emotional intelligence mm. and, and this again is not scientifically backed, but <laughs> just as, as something that we've observed, I think teens struggle a lot more with emotional intelligence than previous generations. And this has probably not helped yes i do agree with that once again no science to back it up but i do agree with we're not you. scientists we're no. youth ministers <laughs> so here's where we are at the current moment in discussion of hybrid ministry we want to use it as a tool we see the advantages so we don't want to compl completely dismiss zoom we also want to digitalize more steps in our program, more of the um, next steps in to deepen students' faith. So personal prayer is something we want to promote all the time, constantly, consistently, clearly. And we can keep that engagement and promotion um, through digital, digitally. Um, and then also, we just have realized and think that virtual should lead to in-person. I mean, personally, I had a student who started out virtually coming into my small group um, via Zoom. And after a few weeks, I think of her her seeing, her parents probably seeing how we were all spread out wearing masks. Once she had seen over Zoom, she felt comfortable to come in person. And now she's been attending in person. Um, so it should lead to in person. And we've seen that, too, with things like the Sistine Chapel and St. Peter's um, virtual tours. And they're awesome. But people are still going to want to go and experience those in person in the real thing. So looking ahead, we might keep a couple Zoom only groups as an option. And we might allow groups to go um, all Zoom for a week or two at a time, whether as we talked about those situations where a leader's traveling or something else happens in the group or it's a big holiday, so everyone was traveling. But there's still an advantage to letting them Zoom 
every once in a while for group instead of just missing the week or the leader not being there. But really, as we said last episode, we're incarnational. Mm -hmm. We need things that are in the flesh. And we believe that not only for mass, for sacraments, but also for the way that we do student ministry. Our name as a church is nativity. Mm-hmm. And there's no greater sign of our need for incarnational love than God sending his son down to become man. One of my favorite stories is just this this detail of Jesus after the resurrection, meeting with his disciples, and he asks them for something to eat. He was dead and risen again. I mean, he's a he resurrected. <laughs> he, but I mean, he did not need to eat. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no need for that. He did it because it showed this this need for something incarnational, that he was real, that he was right in front of them, that he was the same Jesus and was eating fish in front of them. So mm-hmm. we need um, mm-hmm. to make that statement to our students, to their families that we're incarnational and we're going to continue to do that. And one way that you can do that, we'll end with this, is one bright idea. Pray over people. We've had such powerful experiences the last few years of praying over people for different reasons. And we want to encourage our small group leaders to do this, to bring it into times when we have parents on campus, mm-hmm. which we do at the end of the year. We, we put all of the seniors at the center of a huge mound of, not mound, a huge group of people yeah. outside. Circle, yeah. yeah. And we encircle the seniors and extend our hands and pray over them. When a group member leaves or moves away, we've prayed mm-hmm. over them for mm-hmm. that. We've prayed over, um, you know, staff members have lost. I remember Tom's dad died and we prayed mm-hmm. over him. Um, there's all kinds of reasons to pray over people, sending them forth on mission trips when they're really struggling with something. Mm-hmm. And so just take that opportunity. There's nothing more powerful, I think, than being able to pray over someone, lay your hands on them. Um once we get out of this pandemic, that'll be a little bit more socially acceptable, Mm -hmm. but that's incarnational ministry with digital discipleship. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us today. We love you all very much. Tune in next time for week three of our series. What comes next? 